Hi, everyone, and welcome to the DCRO Risk Governance Podcast, where we're focusing on risk governance issues, learning about the work of and receiving guidance from experienced board directors, senior executives, and thought leaders on issues that are important for those governing organizations. My guest today is Noah George. Noah is the former Chief Communications Officer and Managing Director for Deloitte, where she led Deloitte's first ever reputational risk sensing program, a program designed to identify areas of risk exposure to proactively shape potential risk issues that could negatively impact the firm, allowing firm leadership to adjust their business strategies. Her career journey and that specific program will be the focus of our conversation today. Welcome, Noah. Thanks, David. It's great to be on with you. Yeah, and I'm happy to have you here. I've enjoyed the chance that we've had to speak uh, in these recent weeks. And as I learned more about your work, it just seems such an obvious thing to invite you to join us on this podcast. So with that and understanding the the importance of communications and and what we'll talk about today, would you mind taking us back, uh, give us a little bit more information on your background and then specifically what took you into a career in communications? And then we'll, we'll talk more about the work you were doing at Deloitte. Sure. So I, I was actually born and raised in Cairo, Egypt. And early on, even when I was still in college, I was studying business. But then I discovered my love for storytelling and messaging and figuring out like what is the best way to convey a message, um, you know, a thought. And so for me, that was that's where I wanted to go. I didn't I wanted to just be able to tell a story, to tell it the way it should be told and and make it more strategic. And also the one thing that I do, and that helped me quite a bit in my career is um, the ability to connect the dots. Because with that, as if you tell a good story, you really need to be able to connect dots and build on a story. And storytelling is historically, I think before we had uh, things to write on and other ways to record, storytelling was the way in which history was communicated. So it's a gift if you're able to do that well. Yeah, well, we try. I mean, it's something that you keep on, you know, perfecting and learning and building on. It's not, you you really have, it's all about people and it's all about how people feel and, and being empathetic and knowing how to communicate with different groups and diverse groups. And I think right now more than ever, this is a critical, critical aspect of um, how do you communicate your message? How do you communicate about your brand and reputation and organizations? There are organizations who have who have really gone are so well in doing that, and others who still have a way ways to go. And and so I think in in you know the the realm in which you were having to do your communications, I want to jump into this reputational risk sensing program, because that's the thing that, that uh, when we were talking first, um, got me so interested in, in your work. You had to talk to some pretty important audiences in that. So can you tell us a little bit about the origin of it? Because it's named, it's the reputational risk sensing program. So it had to have right. some origin, uh, some purpose. Can you tell us a little bit about the origin of that initiative? Yeah, sure. Uh, so it all started when we had um, I we had a new CEO at Deloitte. This was like eight years ago, and he had a big focus on strategic risk. and And the biggest thing that we needed to do was move from being more reactive 
and and like reacting to mostly regulatory again is traditionally um you know an audit firm and so there was always the thinking that we react to like regulatory and compliance but then we had a ceo who was thinking more broadly how do we become strategic and and so he the first thing that he did is that we established our first cro chief risk officer for the firm and and that chief risk officer which is a best practice which is what we encourage clients to do reported directly into the ceo and was on his executive committee and so um, what, once that ceo came in the, it became we wanted to create a proactive strategic risk program and so we had three key components of this strategic risk program we had governance we had uh, reporting and we had reputation risk sensing. And the governance piece was mostly to elevate the risk function into the organization. So we had a chief risk officer for each of the functions, like the, you know, where where we have a president for each of the functions. We had a chief risk officer for each of the functions that reported into the chief risk officer. And, and they came in identifying all the risks. We talked about the risks. We had an operational risk committee that met once a month. And we would all meet together and discuss what are some of the risks that need to be elevated that need like, and we tiered them, tier one, tier two, and tier three, and which ones need to go to the executive committee, which ones need to go to the board or both. And then we had the reporting, we unified the reporting. And so in terms of how do you, how do they report on risk? Every function used to do things on their own and it wasn't, it was the reporting was not cohesive. So we unified that and brought it together so that the way we are monitoring these risks are the same in every different functions as well as the enterprise-wide. Then we thought, okay, that's great. And, and But there's something that was missing and that's where I came in. And that's where actually my communications background came in and my curiosity and connecting the dots. I started looking at trends. I started looking, monitoring, and in the beginning, it just started with like social media, traditional media, open source data that was out there. And to see what are some of the trends based on the risks that we have, where is it heading? How would it impact us? And then all of it, and we started like building and it was all manual, just more human insights. And, and we would present it to the executive committee about like, here are some of the risks that are bubbling up. And, and then all of a sudden it became, oh, we want to know more, we want more of a deep dive. Then we went back, we actually got a tool that aggregated all this data and put it all together. And it became the human insights plus advanced analytics capabilities to identify, analyze, and monitor, monitor emerging risks based on the business strategy. So did you start to have, I mean, I don't, I don't know at the time you're running this, how, how uh, advanced the AI work was, but did you have any kind of AI work uh, helping you filter through all this data? Because you mentioned it started out as a manual um, yes. process. Yes, absolutely. Actually, even when it was a manual, I had sort of a beta test of one of the tools that we ended up using. And because, because you can't really, like you can't, you know, come up with a trend, you can have an idea, but you want the data to back it up. So um, yes, we did have a tool and, and it's interesting because whenever we talk to clients, it's sort of the black box. No right. one, a lot of people don't think about 
how, like what it is and how it works. They care about what data you enter because what you input there is, is will, will determine the output and, and the analysis. But it was very significant from the onset to explain that a tool on its own cannot be the, the thing that you would have. You need that human insight and human analysis because you need someone who actually understands what could be, and again, the connecting the dots, what could potentially become an issue based on a couple of nuggets of information, that a trend that is just emerging. So starting to put the data in some context that you already know is relevant or that you can introduce. Correct. So you talked about this, and I, and I think you know, we're talking about m- sort of mini CEOs or deputy CR, excuse me, CROs or deputy CROs reporting stuff up to the CRO who's then reporting stuff up to the CEO. It's my understanding though that your program actually wound up influencing something that the chair of the board was working on or, or was thinking about in terms of reputation risk. Can you tell us a little bit more about how it got there and, and, and what that was? Yeah, so um, this was very interesting. So we, we had a new chairman of the board who was very, very interested in reputation as a governance issue and not being surprised by events that would come you know, their way and all of a sudden it's becoming a much bigger issue and then you're, you're, you're dealing with it from a crisis perspective versus just some, some being proactive. The other key one, which, which I thought was um, really interesting of how you use sensing was on succession planning. And succession planning in almost all of the boardrooms is a priority and it's something that people care about. And the way we, we did the succession planning was it's for the elected leaders, that's how we called them, that's the CEO, the chairman and the global CEO. It, it's thinking about what would be, we gathered sort of intel about when, when something, a black swan event happening and when someone was doing succession planning and, and wanted, to, wanted to see how some organization reacted to it, what were the best practices? Who, who are the ones that we learned from to establish some processes and, and a framework versus the ones who caught, was caught, were caught off guard and it played out in the media and to their culture and within their organization very badly. So it, it served as one, the governance of your reputation and being more proactive so that the board is more equipped to learn about what's happening along with management and be on the journey of an issue that could be evolving and trying to be proactive in dealing with it and having the board have governance over how management thinks about that before it becomes a crisis. And this is in a way Deloitte becoming uh, a model for your customers as well. That, that's correct. And, and that's one of the things that we, we ended up doing. We built this uh, strategic risk sensing into in like we went and talked to clients we started telling them a lot until this day the banks like in fsi and financial services it's where you see more of the chief risk officers reporting into the ceo more often but in a lot of other organizations the c the cro is buried either reporting to the cfo or reporting to um into internal audit and and that does not 
it does not create a program that is more strategic because you do need your, you know, your decision makers, you need them to be aware of what are some of the key issues, how, how they're evolving, and what is being done about it. Well, and I like the way you talked about it early on as saying this is, this is in a way evolving from something that was reactive to regulatory issues into something that's more strategic. And, and we talk about that a lot with other risk people about the difference between an audit committee at the board, which is yeah. really backward looking and validating, and a risk committee at the board, which is forward-looking and anticipatory. And anticipatory doesn't mean you're right about guessing the future, but some of it is about how you respond and have you planned to respond. And, and such a central element to responding to a crisis or something you'd said a black swan is whether you've thought through your communications and, yep. and how to you know, convey to all stakeholders in your organization how you're dealing with something. So, so let's talk about that a little bit in this idea of reputation. Why is yeah. it so important for organizations and why is it important to get out in front of an emerging issue? So rather than just react, why is it important to be out front when something is impacting your reputation? One of the things that you know a lot of organizations do is they start, again, a crisis happens and then they start flooding the media with statements or making comments or doing all this stuff. At this point, it's too late. At this point, it's too late to, to really talk about the values that, that this organization brings, talk about the community involvement, talk about giving back to the communities where we live, work, and you need to be more proactive in terms of identifying what your core values are as an organization, what your core values are to your stakeholders. And if you do that, and if you keep hammering that in terms of, and, and that's why the sensing is very important because you see where conversations are going, and you can see sometimes when you look at trends, you can predict where certain conversation will head and, ha- and it might how it might impact you negatively. And you can stay ahead of it by talking to the right folks, by telling them, hey, we re- recognize that this could be an issue. This is what we are doing to mitigate it. This is what we're doing to make sure it does not happen again. And when you involve people from the get-go and when you start telling them this is how we're mitigating this situation, the backlash or, or the way people think about your reputation is a lot less hurtful. And, 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 and these you know, brand-impacting events or reputation-impacting events become a lot less impactful from a negative standpoint to your brand because you, you've already articulated over and over and over your core values, what you bring to your community, what you bring to, you know, to, to your people, and what your culture stands for. Well, and a couple of guests we had on uh, earlier podcasts, Michelle Walker, who's known for her book, The Gray Rhino, um, talks about some of the psychology of events that are heading at us that we see and why we don't respond to them uh, in groups like the board. And then Michelle Gelfand, uh, who talks about tight and loose cultures and how organizations that are under attack, which can happen if you haven't thoughtfully uh, planned for how to respond to a crisis, they tend to close in. They tend to become much more yep. control oriented and less willing to um, take risks and innovate. You know, they're, they're in essence circling their wagons to protect themselves. You had talked uh, just a second ago 
about mm -hmm. brand or the word brand came in. And I think a lot yeah. of people will intermingle brand and reputation or, or use them as substitutes for each other. But that's not your belief, right? There's a difference between brand and reputation uh, in the perspective that you bring to this. Is that correct? Yes. Could you tell us a little bit about the difference and maybe who's responsible for, for one or the other if, if it's different? Yeah, uh, so I believe they are, you're right, they are used interchangeably, and I do believe they are completely different. They they overlap, and you hope they would overlap, and, and I will explain that in a second, but a brand is what you put out to the media, to your stakeholders, it, it's your values, it's what you want your stakeholders to know what you what you stand for, what your brand is, what are you known for, and you hammer it in marketing campaigns, in app campaigns, you know, PR and marketing, and that's really where it normally sits. A brand normally sits with marketing, PR, but to me, a reputation, a reputation is the perception of what how your stakeholders view you. And you do hope that the both, you know, the two of them intersect and, you know, and it's a big intersection and that the brand and the reputation become one. But a lot of times it's, that's not the case because your reputation is something, it depends on your actions. It depends on how you interact with your stakeholders, how you show up in a crisis, whether it is externally or internally, how your, you know, your employees and your professionals portray themselves, what your culture is about and how you manifest that to your outside stakeholders, a reputation to me, and, and, and I do believe it's a governance issue. So to me, reputation is owned by the board. It's not like management cares a lot about the brand and management has to put framework and they have to put processes in place to guard against the, you know, having a bad reputation. But at the end of the day, it's the reputation. You see it more and more these days with, with a lot of scandals, with a lot of issues that are happening, that at the end of the day, the reputation of an organization lies with the board and it's the board's responsibility to really, really own it. Well, brand almost sounds tactical then. Is that is that a, a way to differentiate them? Is it sort of reputation is the strategy, although I, that sounds too uh, contrived to say we have, a, we have a strategy to have this reputation. <laughs> but is brand then kind of the tactical uh, implementation? It is. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's it, it, the brand is, and you, and you absolutely need your brand because you need to build your brand and your brand permission to be, a voice in an in, in the industry and be the thought leader on on the issues that you are trying to portray, but the rep and, 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 and it's a lot it's 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 in you it's within your control in a way. Reputation is you you want it you want to put enough frameworks and you want to put enough things in place to make sure that you're guarding your reputation. And, and to me, there's a big distinction between the two. It is very, reputation is very, very strategic. Well, and this, I think this is really important because um, I want to go back to the comment you made that reputation is perception. If you ask people, they'd often say that uh, an organization earns its reputation by what it does. So in essence, that's a feedback to people. But yes. one of the things that I, I think is really underappreciated, and, and I've actually argued is more important than feedback, 
is this concept of feed forward, which is related to what we're going to do in the future in terms of a relationship with an organization. And as we talked about earlier, risk is something that has to be anticipatory. So it's in essence feeding forward. And if I wanna make a decision about whether I'm going to work for your company, whether I'm gonna lend money to your company, invest in your company, engage you in some sort of a long-term contract, all of that is forward-looking. So it has to be something that is based on my perceptions, which makes reputation even more important. I think is really reaffirming of your idea that reputation is owned by the board. Yeah, and, and, and to add on that, you're absolutely right. Um, for, for me to add on that is, then you move now, you, you actually then evolve. And so you move from anticipating, you move from proactive versus reactive to predictive. Ah, right. And that's a completely different. So so think of it this way. Think from COVID standpoint with COVID-19, it has completely and utterly disrupted the supply chain. And and one of the things that and, and even with technology disruptions like with Zoom or Microsoft Teams or any of the video um, programs, think of it that with ha having sensing, you can also start predicting trends that could be needed. We always say that sometimes the customer does not know what they don't know. They don't know what they want because, because they, like the art of the possible, they don't know what they don't know. And, and it's the sensing takes it to a next level of predictive risk intelligence, which is more of, okay, I have these risks. Some of them, yes, I'm now, I'm trying to be proactive and making sure that they don't become a crisis, you know, over time, but also how can I utilize some of these disruptions and some of these new technologies to my advantage to build on my strategy and adjust my strategy? And this is one of the things that, so we had a tagline, again, I'm a communications person, so we had a tagline for our risk program. It's we and the way we said it is that risk is a strategic enabler. Everything we said, we say risk is a strategic enabler. So it's it's strategic, not just in terms of identifying risks and monitoring them, but it's also identifying new trends that could become an opportunity or could become a risk if we do not, or a disruptor in a negative way, if we do not pay attention to it. Yeah, that's a, that's a really important way to frame it because we really want people to be understanding that risk is necessary, uh, risk-taking is necessary, uh, enable uh, for organizations to achieve their goals and, and to live on, but to empower people to make their business decisions better. And I think that's what you were capturing in that. So, so yep. let, let me go to, you know, the, the work, uh, a couple of the key objectives of the DCRO are to get organizations to establish risk committees at the board level, and then also to bring people onto their boards who we would call qualified risk directors. So not people who are just control or loss focused, they're really focused on how to use risk in the way in which you just described it. In, in the case of a risk committee, we like lots of diversity uh, in, that, uh, in the composition of, of that particular committee. Is there a place on a board risk committee for someone who has uh, a skill set in reputation risk? And maybe I'm giving you a softball question, <laughs> question but, but let's think about what we've just talked about here from a strategic standpoint. Is the risk committee the place where you would put someone who has that skill set? Absolutely. And that's exactly what we did. So I was, I was 
part of this, the strategic risk and regulatory, ours was risk and regulatory committees. I said in every single meeting, I was given time slot, even if it's just dependent on where things were and whether we're at a heightened level of risk issues that we need to discuss, or we're just being proactive that here are some of the trends that we're monitoring. But I was a permanent member of the management of management, sitting in the strategic risk committee, reporting to the board and telling them where, where we're looking. And we would give them a one page, like, you know, it was re- literally one page because the board has so much to look at and so many things to worry about. And we would give them like, here are the key trends, here are the key issues. And it was the enterprise uh, wide level, the ERM. Oh, and the within the functions, if there are a couple of areas that focus that we need to focus on specific to the functions. And so, and it was very short and sweet. It was something to just let them know. And if they start asking more questions and they want to deep dive into some of these issues, we would prepare a report and give it to them with all the details and how we came, you know, we came to that conclusion of what we are anticipating of what or what is happening, where the conversation is going. Well, and I won't pick on any companies that are in the headlines right now because somebody <laughs> listening to this two years from now. But um, I have to believe that there are a lot of board members who are going to hear this conversation who wish they had something like you've just described. I mean, it, it, it's something that you know, to me, sitting on a board, when I'm trying to think about this, you know, this future that is highly uncertain and, and incredibly dynamic right now with all the technological changes, what I don't want to be is derailed by a reputational issue uh, that we either hadn't seen coming or didn't know how to respond to. So given that and, and, and thinking about those people who are listening to this right now, what guidance would you give to a board member who's saying, I wish I had this where, where I serve? Where do they start and, and what guidance would you give them in terms of implementing uh, a reputational risk sensing program? Well, the first thing I would ask is look at your, um, again, they call it like ERM. Every, a lot of people are still having that enterprise risk management and they ask for the risk reporting once a year or maybe twice a year. And for us, it was once a month where we get the reporting. So start asking management, what are the things that, what, what's the mechanism that, how are you identifying those risks? Are you getting the right people? The, the other thing that I didn't mention is that we had a strategic risk committee. So the operational one with CROs, the strategic risk committees was the head, the chief strategy officer for each of the functions who reported to the president of that function, met. we met with them on a quarterly basis to confirm that from a strategic standpoint, these risks were the right risks to focus on. So the biggest thing is you need to ask, is your, is your chief risk officer well positioned within the organization? That's, that's the first question. Or are they behind like two or three or four layers that you're not getting the information that you need. And, and, and it's like they need to think that repu- the reputation is a board issue. It's a governance issue. And if, if they don't, and the only pe- most people only start thinking about that when you're in crisis. When you are in crisis, it's too late. And that's why we also had like in the crisis communications, you know, when you're, when you're in crisis and you wanted to talk to people, we had 
the person, well, at the time it was me, who sat in, 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 on, on the committee of the key people in a crisis to talk about, okay, here, here's where we are, this is what's happening, how do we change the conversation? So it's, you, you just need to ask management, where do they position the CRO? Because that's extremely important. Are they getting the right, are they focused on the right risks? And are we being proactive? Or is this only focused on crisis? And I think that you know, when you and I had talked before, um, one of the things that you had emphasized is this notion of wargaming uh, within the boardroom. And I, I have a feeling that people who are listening to us today, if they want to test whether they're ready, that would be a great place to start uh, <laughs> to find out whether they really have thought through this. They may think they have, but as soon as you start putting a true war game with a, with a credible scenario to it, um, you'll find some of these weaknesses. So I, I think then again, with, with, with these podcasts, I, I consider myself to be pretty close to 100%. I'm not gonna offend anybody, but in terms of the guests I've had on here that I wanna talk to more in every, in every conversation. So um, we've filled our 30 minutes, but I think you've given people an awful lot of incentive to be looking at uh, how their board's handling reputation, whether they do see it as a governance issue. Uh, I think yep. that's a really important uh, mindset to take into it. And this idea that you've differentiated uh, brand as a, a tactical issue uh, from that also puts this communication uh, idea into a different framework. So Noah, thank you very much. I really am glad you joined us today and I look forward to keeping in touch with you as we, as we do our respective work. My pleasure, David. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.